Having started his career teaching leadership on wilderness and mountaineering expeditions, he now helps successful people become exceptional leaders and stellar human beings. He's ranked as a top 30 thought leader by Thinkers 50 Radar and selected as one of the top eight thought leaders in leadership. He is the award-winning best-selling author and contributor of 16 books, including most recently, Leading with Emotional Courage, How to Have Hard Conversations, Create Accountability, and Inspire Action on Your Most Important Work. He's a regular contributor to the Harvard Business Review, and his articles and commentary appear frequently in Bloomberg Business Week, Fast Company, Psychology Today, Forbes, and the Financial Times. He earned his BA from Princeton University and his MBA from Columbia University. Join me on this episode of the Curve Benders podcast with a respected advisor to global CEOs and author of Leading with Emotional Courage, my friend Peter Bregman. Hi there, this is David Knorr, host of the Curvebenders podcast. I'm excited to share insights with you at the intersection of the future of work and strategic relationships. Make no mistake about it, there are a number of forces in the next two decades that will dramatically change the way we live, the way we work, the way we play, and the way we serve others. And I believe there are these relationships that will come into our lives that can change both the direction and destination of where we're headed. Those are the individuals I call curve benders. So in each episode, I want to share with you insights from our research, from our interviews of great guests and their incredible experiences. I want to invite people to share their ideas and examples of not just coaches and mentors, but real curve benders that have had a profound impact on their lives. Specifically, we're going to talk about pragmatic ideas in the evolution of your skills, your knowledge, and your behaviors. So let's get started. Your corporate strategy became obsolete last month when the global economy shut down. Corporate leaders are assessing and reassessing their strategic priorities on a daily basis, making simple, clear, consistent communication more critical than ever before. Yet, we continue to see crisis pivot presentations trying to adapt outdated thinking to the current mission-critical needs of the organization and the stakeholders you must engage and influence to act. Corporate jargon, unlimited data, and overcomplicated processes will no longer suffice. That's why we're taking our battle-tested strategy visualization expertise and have created a more agile, nimble, and action-oriented visual strategy pivot. Learn more at norgroup.com slash advising. Welcome to the Curvebenders podcast. I'm uh, joined by a good friend, a patient friend. And in full disclosure, this is uh, more than once uh, he and I are recording this session because the last couple of times we've had technical glitches. But it is a testament of just what a kind and gentle man he is, as well as a good friend. Peter Bregman, welcome to the Curvebenders podcast. Thanks, Nora. It's really, uh, I'm glad to be here. It's a testament of our time of being patient with technology, right? Yeah, and you know, the upside is I get to talk to you three times instead of one. 
I'm not sure that's a good thing or not, but all good things in moderation. So, Peter, for those who may not know as much about you or your background, can you talk about where you've been, what you've done, and how you've arrived here? Sure. I run Bregman Partners, which is an executive coaching company, and I spend most of my time coaching CEOs uh, and leadership teams. Um, I started my career leading expeditions, mountaineering and climbing and kayaking and uh, wilderness uh, 30-day expeditions, teaching leadership on those on those trips. And then I went into, I started a, a couple of companies and then I went into consulting and then I started this company about 22 years ago. And I've written or contributed to 16 books and very focused on the human side of leadership. So none of us can hide the current uh, storm that we're all in midst of. Can you talk about some highlights of what are you hearing from leaders you're, you're, you're speaking with? You know, a, a, a total, um, for the moment, preoccupation with the change and with leading in the context of the change. We're, we're all in an environment that is totally new for us. I mean, we've experimented with different elements of this, but it's, it's a totally new environment. And, and I think people to different degrees are working to try to figure out how do I lead in this new environment while it's also difficult. I'll give you an interesting story, which is that last night, a set of Zoom calls with my kids' school. And it was like an open parent night where for the middle school, I have three kids and this one's in middle school in sixth grade. And we went into different rooms for six minutes at a time for the teachers to tell us what they're studying and how it's working. And they are doing a brilliant job of using Zoom and shifting their curriculum to one that's digital based without having to rely too much on screen time. So as leaders in that environment, they're doing a terrific job. Personally, many of them expressed how difficult it was for them. One of the teachers sort of said, like, you're, you're like, I'm holding it together for you guys, but I cry a lot. Like, it's, it's, this is hard. Another teacher said, you know, like, what I love is being in front of the kids. And, and now, you know, in my little apartment here, trying to put on a good face for it. So I think there's two things that are going on, and one of them is you know organizational and role-based, and are people showing up the way they need to show up to face the situation you know as best they can? And the other is deeply personal, which is you know it's hard for a lot of people. Do you think most people have gotten over the shock and now they're trying to figure out how do I navigate? what seems to be, and you hate to say it, but our new normal of working from home and kids are home and we're not physically, I don't like social distancing, but we're physically distant and we can't go do all the things we used to. You know, I, I don't know that we have any idea what the new norm is yet. And, and you know, I, I as we're talking, I just pulled up. So the stock market was up 7 or 8% yesterday. It's up another 5% today. At the same time, there's a record 3.3 million Americans that just filed for unemployment benefits that, you know, I'm getting texts from friends of mine in hospitals saying, you know, this hospital in Westchester just closed their label and labor and delivery unit in order to focus on ICU for uh, COVID-19. So where are those hundreds of mothers who are about to give birth going to go? They're going to take up space in other hospitals that are also. So like, 
I think I think we're way too early to even think about a new norm, but it's very interesting because the you know like we're in the midst of it and it's going to get worse before it gets better. And I I do kind of get confused when I look at the stock market and I go like how is it up 10 15% over the last couple of days? Like I just I, it it befuddles me because you know the short termism of it befuddles me because you know one yeah yes there was a 2 trillion dollar package that came out that was passed so everybody's really excited but you know when you actually look at the larger economy this whole year is screwed and and i think it's a real challenge so i i think we are at the beginning stages you know there's a huge storm out there and we're in a boat and we're getting a little bit of wind and we have some anticipatory fear and grief around what's going to happen but i i think we really simply just don't know we're really in the midst of the unknown and we're reaching out for any piece of hard you know data or information that can help us feel better but i think there's no getting out of the fact that the leadership that is required of us is groundedness and solidity in a situation that is changing every day and that we cannot even really predict. I uh, grabbed a uh, smattering of headlines to give our audience a snapshot of the business world uh, today. Uh, I think it's uh, uh, pronounced Bauer that the hockey equipment manufacturer is making medical shields for hospital workers. It's Quebec plant just got an order for 100,000 units across Canada. SpaceX is making hand sanitizers. Target same sale, same store sales uh, in the essentials and food beverage up 50%. Boeing stock up 24% yesterday. I mean, it is just unprecedented. And, and everybody says there's no playbook for this. Are you surprised? And, and you're, we're going to get to your uh, particular area of expertise of, uh, expertise of emotional courage in a second. Are you surprised by the creativity, by the adaptability, by the resilience that we kind of hear about amongst organizations and teams and leaders? No, I'm, I'm not. I, I love it. And I'm also, and I'm a capitalist at heart. And I feel like, you know, when it's in people's interests, which I think it is to say, oh my God, we have a company and we have to figure out how to survive in this. We're very, very good at surviving. And along with that, I actually think that these things bring out the absolute best in people and the absolute worst in them. Like I think, you know, we're, you know, in moments of fear, we find people reaching out and being incredibly supportive and doing what we need to do to do our part. I mean, I, you know, when I think about the CEOs that I work with, I'm always never amazed anymore, but but impressed and grateful at how many of them really take seriously their civic responsibility in the roles that they're in. And yes, it doesn't hurt that it's in financial interest to say, 
I could sell a hundred thousand of these things and my store average, you know, my dated, my year over year store sales in these areas are up 50% and stretching to reach a demand in the context of uncertainty is, you know, is, is a capitalist tendency. And also there's, you know, a sense that I see among leaders of what can we do to take care of our people? What you know, there's actually a civic responsibility to keep your business viable in, at a time like this, because you know I just read the 3.2 million unemployment numbers. I worry the short term about people's health. I worry the medium to long term about both the economy and social unrest that happens when our economy falls apart. So you wrote uh, most recently. Uh, the book Leading with Emotional Courage, how to have hard conversations, create accountability and inspire action on your most important work. Give us a glimpse of the key insights from emotional leading with emotional courage. Okay. So, and I'll tie it into what we're talking about, which is the emotional courage is the willingness to feel. So if you think of a difficult conversation, you're not having, right? A conversation, you know, you should have, but you haven't followed through on. Consider why. And we all have those conversations that we haven't followed through on. I bet you know everything you need to know about having that conversation. I bet you're perfectly skilled enough, and I bet you've had time and opportunity. So why haven't you followed through, and why haven't you had it? And the reason is there's something you don't want to feel. You know, If you have a difficult conversation with someone, you may have to feel conflict. You may have to feel their anger. You might have to feel the you know shame or embarrassment or defensiveness or the hurt or any number of things that you may have to feel and so because you don't want to feel those things you don't follow through on any actions that might lead to those feelings and if you are willing to feel everything and that's emotional courage if you're willing to feel everything the shame the fear the embarrassment the hurt the conflict the disconnection if you're willing to feel everything then you can do anything, then you can follow through on anything. And you look at times like these, you know, what do we need to feel as leaders, as people, in order to continue on with our daily lives and support of ourselves and each other? And there's a lot of feelings. There's, you know, I I mentioned them at the very, very beginning of this conversation, you know, teachers who feel close to tears or feel lonely or, you know, and if we're willing to feel those things, then we won't act brashly and unproductively in ways that help us avoid feeling those, but don't necessarily give us the results that we're looking for. So how is emotional courage different than emotional intelligence? Because that's obviously a lot of executives vernacular, and they certainly understand its importance. Yeah. So emotional intelligence has been around for a long time and hasn't actually changed our emotional capability. So you have to sort of ask why, you know, like why, why is that? And because it, it's certainly popularized enough. And, and here's the challenge. Emotional intelligence misses one key point. When you look at what emotional intelligence is, it's broken up into four quadrants. And the four quadrants of emotional intelligence are what I, what I see about myself and what I see about others. So what I know, what I know about myself, what I know about other people, and then what I do about myself, self-control, self-management, and what I do about others, relationship management, how I engage with people. So all of emotional intelligence is what do I know and what do I, what do, I do? Well, here's what we do know is that there is this huge gap between what we know and what we do, that there is this huge gap. It's called the knowing-doing gap. We all know far more than what we do. 
right? And I talked about it with a conversation. I know I should have that difficult conversation, but I'm not having that conversation. That's a gap between what I know and what I do. Anybody who's not at the perfect weight at their ideal fitness level is struggling with a gap between what they know and what they do, right? We know what to do. Like you just eat less and exercise more. It's not rocket science, but it's hard to actually follow through on that. So what is missing in emotional intelligence, which is all about what we know and what we do, is emotional courage, which is what are we willing to feel? So if I'm willing to feel hunger, if I'm willing to feel some level of deprivation, if I'm will- then I'll eat less. If, I, if I'm willing to feel my own sort of sadness or anxiety, then maybe I won't eat to cover them up. Like if I'm willing to feel those things, then I could close the gap between what I know and what I do. So emotional intelligence it has you know 80% of the picture, but the 20% that matters most is what closes the gap which is, you know, what am I willing to feel in order to then close the gap between what I know and what I do? Peter, you'd be proud. I had this conversation with my uh, 18-year-old daughter about something I, you know, you were kind enough to share, which is if you're not willing to feel everything soon, you're not going to feel anything. Right. And I think, and I think uh, there's still a lot of uh, us who are overwhelmed with all the change that we've been thrusted into. And in the conversations that, that you and I are having, you, you can sense the enormous pressure on these executives, uh, not just for themselves and their families and their loved ones and their elderly parents, but their employees. H- how do I tell people that we're shutting down all of our hotels and laying off you know, 90% of our workforce? How do I tell those people that we work really hard to attract that you know, we can't afford to continue on some of these initiatives and, and the things that were you know, brought here to do. So it sounds like that emotional courage and the leaders that you've worked with who are enormously successful are absolutely open to feeling all the things we don't want to feel. Yeah. And, you know, anytime we make a hard decision and we cannot lead without making hard decisions, if we're human beings, we're going to feel things. Right. It's, you know, like it's, it's, it might be a very hard decision. You know, there's two decisions I can make. I could keep my hotel open and, and, you know, keep everybody and hope that we'll be able to live through it. Or I could, I might have a big enough, you know, cash load to stretch that. Or I might have to, you know, close down for, you know, we know the hotels have to close down for months, or I might have to, you know, change this into a COVID-19 hotel, which might stigmatize me forever, I might have to. And those are hard decisions that involve lots of trade-offs that are going to lead me to feel all sorts of things. And it's, you know, we, we cannot make smart, good reliable, effective decisions without also being emotionally courageous and, and, you know, doing things that are going to upset at least, you know. If you've listened to the Curvebenders podcast recently, you've heard that I'm working on the Curvebenders book. This will be my book number 11 with tools, insights, case studies, examples, interviews, in essence, the knowledge you need to create a personal and professional growth roadmap in this idea of future of work. I'm excited to share key sections with the first 100 participants 
So go reserve your spot at norgroup.com today. If you go all the way to the bottom of the page in the Get in Touch section, just capture somewhere Curve Bender Insights. What a fun conversation. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Curvebenders podcast on the emotional courage with my friend Peter Bregman. I love this comment when he said, if you're not willing to feel everything, soon you won't feel anything. In this challenging time where the world is in the midst of a storm, I think it's incredibly important to uncover what you're feeling and why that you find a support system. And as Peter mentioned, don't fight every fire in front of you. Breathe, stay focused not be battled around by whims, be focused and stay intentional. Join me on the next episode of the Curvebenders podcast when I interview Silicon Valley executive coach and former Oracle executive, Liz Wiseman. She's the author of Multipliers, one of my favorite recent books. Lastly, don't forget, I turned the show notes from these podcasts into more in-depth articles, so check them out on our website at norgroup.com slash blog. I'm so thankful for our listeners on the Curvebenders podcast. I want to keep producing great content most beneficial to your personal and professional growth in this idea of future of work, so I'd love to hear your feedback. Don't forget to follow us on the various social media channels. I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, I'm on LinkedIn, and I'm using the hashtag CurvebendersPodcast, so make sure you follow that for all of our latest updates. Music.